It's okay, Tension. folks. Tension. Yeah. here. <laughs> it, it made sense when I read it. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Geek Chew, podcast where we chew over the geeky things we love, like comic books and movies and television. I'm Eamon. I'm Charlene. And this week, we're going to talk about The Walking Dead, The Alien, standalone story from Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. Uh, Black Panther number two came out this week, second issue. And... Charlene found an article in the Atlantic talks about TV. Yeah, I really like the Atlantic articles. I mean, I yeah. finally just signed up for the newsletter email. Maybe I should do that too. Cause I basically just wait for you to send me articles from the Atlantic I, and, and I enjoy I, all of them. <laughs> see, and I only send you ones that I, that, you know, I'm sure there's more stuff on there that you would read, but I only like just send you select ones just cause you know, it's an I I don't like when people do that to me when they just like constantly send me crap. Yeah. Even if they think I'll like it, like I really want people to be more selective. Yeah. If I wanted to read The Atlantic, I would go read The Atlantic. That kind of thing. Yeah. Doesn't no. apply to this particular situation because I actually do like to read The Atlantic, but still wait for you to send them to me. Yeah, I think I need to just subscribe too. Word. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dollar a week or something silly like that. Um, so do you have like some news items? I have yeah. several things written down here. We um, also have trailers to talk about. Yeah. And like, we watched the jinx. We did watch the jinx. I mean, that's not even in my notes here, but I texted you that we watched the jinx. I know. I agreed that we watched the jinx <laughs> <laughs> via text as well. I know. Uh, it was, so we're what a year behind on that. Not quite a year. Not quite a year. Maybe, maybe it is a year, but it was. I mean, there was nothing unexpected about it because now it's part of pop culture and yeah, mainstream media news things yeah. like that. Yeah, I thought it was funny. One of the clips in it was Fred Armisen playing uh, Robert Durst on SNL, and he's the same guy that plays Robert or Bobby Durst in uh, <laughs> the new season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Right, but. Uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was It was interesting regardless of how much information we had going in. Yeah, Can I you mean, imagine watching it without knowing what, what was coming yeah, in the last episode? Um, the storytelling was really good. I like how they put it together, you know. Um, yeah, and it, it's difficult to, I guess, really contextualize it without really diving into the timeline of the documentary versus... Um, facts that came to light. And I mean, it sounds like the documentary really, there's a lot of questions of whether it was ethical, quote unquote, journalism or filmmaking, um, because of how deeply they got involved uh, and, yeah, you know, um, or maybe not even that, just the way they were 
involved in the way the film portrayed everything. I don't know. I like I said. I mean, I don't have the time to dive that deeply. No, that's probably not accurate. I don't have the will to <laughs> okay. to get all the information on that. But it was a good. It was a good little six episode um, series to to consume. Yeah. Definitely worth the time anyway. Definitely. Interesting character. And it didn't make me uncomfortable. Right. Which is weird. Because Maybe because it's documentary style in a different way. I don't know. No, because the other one was documentary too. I whatever. Yeah. There's no... Well, I wouldn't say there's no miscarriage of justice. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about how you reacted to the jinx versus... Making a murderer. Right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It was it's it is different. Um it's a different experience watching it, but Yeah. Uh The Inhumans, we talked about that a week or two ago, how it like disappeared off Marvel's slate. Yeah. It's it's not gone. They're really committed to the Inhuman story that they have, but they just moved it out of phase 3, which you know, Captain America Civil War kicked off phase 3 of Marvel's movies. Oh. Doctor Strange is next and now they have Spider-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, and so they were just like, we're just going to push the Inhumans to the right, and, uh, you know, maybe when Phase 3 is over, they'll Think move, about bringing move it back. to the Inhumans, yeah. Black mm-hmm. Panther reportedly has added Michael B. Jordan to play a villain and Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. So, Yeah. I'd like to see Michael B. Jordan as a bad guy. Yeah. Um, we don't have much background on Black Panther villains, so... Yeah. Uh, tough to say who he might be playing, because we have no context. But um, should be... I guess, I don't know if it's confirmed, but it'll be good either way, I'm sure. And... I don't know. What, what else do you have? I don't want to just well, monopolize. Um, so I was looking at the New Yorker, and there's a new movie, Godzilla Resurgence. Have you heard about this? I know that there's a new Godzilla movie coming, and it's, I knew that they just lost the director, the Gareth Edwards who did the first Godzilla. No, this is completely different than that. Oh, because I know there's Godzilla versus Mothra. Oh. Right? Yeah. Is that Godzilla? Huh? We're talking about the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about something different. Right. This is Godzilla Resurgence, <laughs> so which is the first Godzilla movie that's made in Japan in, for 12 years. Yeah. Um, and the directors are Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and the trailer, which I saw on YouTube, but couldn't listen to the sound because um it was on a computer at work and also wouldn't matter completely and entirely in japanese but it looks awesome and it looks like the old godzilla movies like that old godzilla godzilla wearing a costume kind of i mean but it it's better than that but it does like it looks like that godzilla and it looks really cool and so i'm really excited about that and um, that article was Godzilla Returns to Japan by Matt Alt, mm-hmm. the New Yorker. And that sort of took me down, like, 
a rabbit hole of articles on the New Yorker, and by rabbit hole, I get bored really easily. So, like two other articles, but right. you don't want to get too <laughs> right. You don't want to get too deep in there. So I read um, or skimmed over it's "Secrets of Godzilla" by Richard Brody. It's like a 2014 um, little piece in the New Yorker, and it was just cool talking about the original Godzilla, like the Japanese version versus the American version, and you know he decides that the American version is better and he gives the reasons why and the differences in the storytelling. It's really cool, which made me really want to go watch the original Godzilla again and maybe watch it with Courtney. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in the, in the new one as, you know, something completely uh, different than the remakes that they the Godzilla doing. that they're making now. I mean, the, the, I liked the last one. It wasn't oh, no, bad yeah. with Brian Cranston. It was good. It was just, you know, different. Right. It seems like it would be a, a good change of pace. Yeah. And return to the roots, maybe. I mean, like, one of the things that um, this dude, Brody, like, states in this article is that, like, Godzilla's not... Like, although he's, like, probably the, the father of the monster movie monster, mm-hmm. um, he's probably not, probably not, like, a really good movie monster. Right. Because um, he kind of has... You know, just like... Anyway, you, you could read that article if you wanted to. But <laughs> the best thing is, they there was another article about how... Um, it's called Japan's Cute Army. Um, also Matt Alt. Apparently he writes a lot about Japan, so that must be his focus. Mm-hmm. But Because there was another one that I just failed to write down because it wasn't that interesting to me at the time. But um, they, like, are trying to change the perception and the... Um, What's it called? Like the way people think of the Japanese army, typically. Perception. I guess I used the right word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so they're sort of like cuting it up and like having. They want to change it so that it's cute? They have big paintings of anime characters on the sides of their fighter jets and yeah. like they like pilots like take pictures with anime dolls and but that's an interesting desire okay. for your military well it's because um well you'd have to read the article again because i didn't write that because it wasn't that important to me but there were all these reasons <laughs> <laughs> why just because you know um it's okay folks. tension gonna yeah. see here <laughs> <laughs> It it made sense when I read it and then completely went out of my mind. But I thought that was fun and cute, so maybe something to look at if yeah. you are going to go read The New Yorker at all. But hmm. I do spend lots of time thinking about going problem, to read The New Yorker. The thing is, with The New Yorker, is I can only read so many articles for free online per month. Hmm. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. So, so you have to choose wisely. Then. Yeah, and I used half of them just in this Japan search. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So, it'll be three or four more episodes before you have more New Yorker material. Yeah, probably. Okay. You know, uh, they're doing... Did you have more Godzilla stuff? Nope. One of the things they're doing with the DC Rebirth is a new Superman. Um, I know they have, like, this new Death of Superman arc going on right now as they close um, this New 52 era. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly what's going on with that because I haven't followed it closely enough because the Superman comics 
really lost me. But uh, the new Superman is um, sounds like some kind of experiment where the Chinese have built this Superman superhero, and so he's um, Chinese. Gene Lu and Yang is going to write this new series, the new Superman series, moving on from you know the mm-hmm. the Superman that he's been writing, which. I had high hopes for, and I they kind of uh, lost me rather quickly. Uh, but there's like this article on comic book resources about the new Superman and how he's gonna have like uh, this new Batman and new Wonder Woman, and they had pictures from from the book. And I I was just wondering how effective they thought. Like I know comics are I'm saying like a lot, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> comics are trying to diversify but what are your thoughts on pursuing that diversification through just taking established characters and making them another race you know they do that they've been doing it a lot in marvel and dc especially with amadeus cho for the hulk uh you know falcon taking over for captain america the new lady thor right um I guess I don't know. The effort is is nice. I I mean, and it, it's hard to establish a new character. Right. That's what I was gonna say. It's really hard to establish a new character, and when you use a, an already established character that has such a core following, you're more likely to get people to at least try out the new version. And so I think yeah. in order to be successful at diversifying, I mean, that's, you know, kind of how they're going to do it. I mean, even when they try to reintroduce, um, like, past characters that just didn't work out very well, um, like, they're they're not really super successful. Like, um, that Red Wolf book that came out that Ooh. I, yeah. you know, it just, <laughs> I was really excited about it and then read the first issue and it was like, eh. so I don't know if it's. I don't know why that, you know, maybe just the wrong storytelling for that character. But yeah. I mean, that's, it's such a difficult thing that while it kind of tugs at something to have, you know, like characters that you know so well and that are a part of your life be changed so much. I think that the fact that the, that they're recognizing the disparity of, you know, other representations of people <clears throat> is, you know, commendable. You know, I, I just don't seem to have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, especially, you know, it's not like the other heroes are going away. You know, they're just kind of expanding. Like, the new Hulk is not taking i actually right they didn't just change hulk into something else yeah uh yeah i just like i don't have a problem with it i just don't know if it's the best way to diversify Um, i do i do think they they at least have the right um writer for this particular venture because Mm -hmm. i I don't want to like say that gene luen yang can't do anything else but he from what i've read really excels at when he's writing from the cultural cultural perspective of a Chinese American, uh, or in this case, I, I think they're, you know, Chinese, like in China, but 
from that cultural perspective, uh, he brings a lot to that writing and, you know, that's, well, and I think the series, I definitely want to at least check it out. It's gotta be, I mean, it's, it's so much easier say with like the smaller independent publishers like image for them to do a lot more because new books are introduced and they're expected to be something completely different. But when you have the big two of Marvel and DC, like just introducing completely new storylines, you know, I mean, like it just seems like a completely different, I don't know. That's an interesting question though. Yeah. I I mean, like I said, I don't have a problem with it. I just, it struck me as, um, something that they just keep trying. It almost seems like cheating, but at the same time, yeah. it seems like how else are they going to do it? Like, I don't have that answer, you know? Right. I mean, I guess it goes to a larger question of when's the last time a, well, I mean, what about Ms. Marvel? That's a right. But I guess, yeah, she did take on the name of a character that existed previously. So I think Ms. Marvel is a good example of, diversification through like an extrapolation of this larger storyline that they had running through um, the Marvel universe at the time with the Terrigen mist and um, you know, the way they went about establishing the character. And obviously I haven't read this new Superman book, so I don't know. Um, Maybe they're, maybe it will follow a, a similar, um, trajectory and establish a new character that is uh, able to stand on its own. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Um, I just thought the first thing that popped into my head when I saw the article uh, was just, you know, um, that's interesting. (laughs) I don't know. Do you, do you want to talk about trailers now, or do you want to move on to something? Just one other thing, real quick. Bachelorette starts Monday, right? With JoJo. I listened to the Bachelor Party. Um, I tried to pre- listen to it. I know because it reset my I'm sorry <laughs> uh, timeline on the podcast. I tried to listen to it, and Tegan was like, "This isn't music." <laughs> I was like, "Fine." Uh. Yes, so I'm very excited for you. Me too. And I'm excited to have a new podcast to listen to. It's <laughs> so I will funny not that you're going to listen to it, but not watch it with me. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the reasons are clear. The show is not entertaining to me. The conversations so, sure? that intelligent people have about it in a... Um, it's such good television. <laughs> okay. See, but these intelligent people watch the show, so it's clearly not just entirely junk. Mm-hmm. It's. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying, but I'm still not going to watch it. <laughs> All right. You don't even want to watch like the first night. It's always the not best one. Yeah. Like. All right. <laughs> maybe maybe we can watch the first one together. Uh. So we watched a bunch of trailers this week. Right. One was The Lobster, which I had heard about this movie uh, quite a while ago, because it was at Cannes last year, and it's just coming out in theaters this, or just came out in theaters this past weekend, and the only reason it really came to my attention was Colin Farrell was on the Andrew Greenwald podcast, 
and they had a really good conversation. Um, their Andy Greenwald is known for having an affinity for Colin Farrell. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> uh, he's, you know, uh, even during the terrible, uh, season two of true detective defending right. Colin Farrell is the only good character in the whole show, which is kind of accurate, but did you continue and watch the whole thing? Oh, I gave up. I powered through that and it was not good, Ugh. but the lobster looks really good. Uh, it's one of those just kind of quirky, um, dark humor Love. kind of movies yeah. about, you know, I mean, who knows what it's really about. I mean, it, it's about, it's always about relationships. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so yeah, they, at some point in life, if they're not, if a, if a person's not, I guess, married or with somebody coupled, coupled yeah, they go to this, um, I'm calling it a resort. They call to, yeah, well, Retreat. they go to this place where they have 45 days to find uh, somebody a to match. couple with, and yeah. if they don't, then they are turned into an animal. Of their choosing. <laughs> of which their is... choosing, yep. Yeah. Uh, really good trailer. The, oh, no. So, moving on from that, I just looked at the <laughs> next one on my list. was uh, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. It's the Lonely Island movie that's coming out. And it looks... It looks pretty funny. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, man, I meant to have you watch that trailer before we sat down to record. Well, I didn't. Anyway, you didn't, and it it's just and that a... That ink is dry. It's like a mock... It's, it's true. <laughs> I mean, we could just stop now and go back, start over after we watch the trailer. You want to do that? No. No? All right, well, I guess we'll just go with the flawed version then. can't change the <laughs> <laughs> uh, So... Yeah, mockumentary about a ridiculous pop star who's you know Andy Samberg, a little bit, a little bit old on, uh, on the old side, but it, it's funny. Anyway, the accountant Ben Affleck and Anna, Anna Kendrick. I love Anna Kendrick in a serious role. I love Ben Affleck in any role. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just about that. The same with with Anna Kendrick. It's going to be a, our perfect movie. Um, Although with not a lot of comedy, which right. But it does look fun. Intense. Very intense. And it looks, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say different. You don't see a lot of, um, that kind of, you know, he does in the, in the trailer, it looks like Ben Affleck is supposed to be autistic. They kind of just call him OCD on the spectrum somehow. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe he is just OCD and it is, it is the trailer is vague. Uh, about whether he's even a good guy or bad guy, we had to read the description to understand that he is typically not used for particularly savory tasks, but ends up, <laughs> you know. That's an interesting choice of words. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so but. ends up being a good guy for Anna Kendrick, which is basically all you need to know. So, mm -hmm. and there's guns. And there's guns. Yeah. Uh, but... I'm also very excited. And there's this. Right. Which <laughs> the no prep. Yeah. yeah. Not good cool. for an audio podcast. <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed. I We don't play video games, obviously. Um, but Assassin's Creed looks pretty good. The it movie, does look good. Michael I like Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. It's basically Macbeth mm. and Lady Macbeth in Assassin's Creed. Right. And so... <laughs> <laughs> but the movie looks fun. 
it, it just does. Like, I don't know. Oh, I love all the gymnastics, the parkour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, parkour. it's just fun. <laughs> Hardcore parkour. Uh, I mean, it's, it just seems like it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I don't know how the story is going to be, if the plot's going to be any good, but it looks visually fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think the plot is basically going to be what you see in the trailer. Yeah. But... But I mean, like, you know. Right. Um, we were watching... I watched it once with Courtney before we watched it together. But, uh, you know, it's a minute and a half, two-minute trailer. And then it kind of cuts to the Assassin's Creed title. And right before that, Courtney was like, Oh, man, I hope they end on a leap of faith. And they cut to the title, and he was like, oh, I guess not. And then it goes back to him jumping off the building. Wow. He was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's the leap of faith? And he was like, I don't know. It's just him jumping. It's cool. <laughs> like, All right. Noted. Uh, I don't think we watched any other trailers, but those, those all look good. You know, you said we had a lot of trailers, and there were two that I watched with you. But I watched four. So. <laughs> okay. No, we watched okay, three together. Okay, right, three, fine. Man. Fine. I don't know which one I forgot, but... Popstar. Oh, which one you forgot? The Lobster, probably. No, the, I the think accountant. it was The Accountant. <laughs> Even though that was the one we just talked about. Right. Extensively. Yeah, well. Um, I clearly guess... my love of Ben Affleck and Anna Kendrick doesn't go that far. It's outrageous. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a trailer, a quote-unquote crazy trailer, for season two of Mr. Robot. Uh, it makes me sad because I can't even watch the trailer because I never finished season one, even though I was really enjoying it. It's just difficult to watch because there's no USA app for the TV, so yeah. I have to watch it on my iPad or like log into a computer. Wait. Did we watch it in our room on the computer? Um, we might have watched it? an episode or two, but you stopped watching it, and I only made it to episode four or five, I think, out of ten. So I need to finish that before everybody starts talking about season two. That's really all I had on that one. But. I mean, you could just like just read the summaries and then just start. No, it's not I, cheating. You don't have don't, time for it all. You just don't read that Linda Holmes <laughs> article that I've heard about, but never found and read about how like because you don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> like something about like the beauty of not having time for it all but uh, like the beauty and tragedy like you just you don't you don't have time for it all it's, okay it's, well i have time for that so i'm gonna finish mr robot i mean it kind of seems like you didn't have time for that but anyway uh, moving on no? yeah I, I also have preacher the new amc series based on the comic book that's coming out mm -hmm. uh, it actually airs uh may 22nd it looks like and sounds like it's going to be a very good adaptation of the comic book. I just don't know if we need to watch it. Um, I mean, I didn't read it. I've heard so right. many good things about it. Me too. Maybe we should. But we can't do it all. <laughs> is, is that just going to be your mantra from now on? Yes. <laughs> just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, we don't have time for everything. <laughs> you know what we do have time for, though? Game of Thrones. Always. Yeah. So, episode four was pretty good. I can't believe we're, like, almost, almost halfway, halfway through this <laughs> yeah. already. Did you... I, because we've 
we binge watched what like the first three seasons, and then season yeah. four and five mm-hmm. were, um, you know, regular viewing for us. But does it seem like things are moving slower? I'm not less interested. I think the show is still really, really good. I feel like things are moving so much faster this Maybe season. It was just That's this interesting. Episode. I felt like no, I felt like everything moved crazy fa- like yeah. we didn't even see any like traveling from Winterfell to <laughs> right. Castle Black like she just shows up like knock knock hi we're here that's no hobbit style long walks yeah <laughs> exactly you didn't you didn't see you just they show up dirty on horses yeah that was pretty awesome mm-hmm. because i had seen a, a meme on twitter about it was like that door opening and sansa was there with um the lady mhm and Pod, Podrick. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Brienne Brian, Tar. Yeah, Tarth. Th- <laughs> Got it. <laughs> the, uh... Uh, and it was, and just, the, the... How about... The gif was just the door opening. And it was like, who's behind this door? I was like, who's behind it? And just opened and they're right there. But <laughs> they were at, uh, Castle Black. And Jon Snow and Sansa reunited for, like, the first time since season one. Crazy, Maybe right? Maybe even episode one, I think I heard that. Uh, I don't recall season one clearly enough, but... Well, you know. anyway, how about that wildling chief guy having the hots for <laughs> Brave Tarth? That was hilarious. That was pretty funny. <laughs> it was, it's like, you don't get a lot of comic relief in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right? That was it, though. That was... Great. Like, the most subtle. It was just the best. Yeah. So they're there together, and they, uh, you kind of see their trajectory for the season as they want to retake Winterfell from Told the you they would. <laughs> Did you? Did I argue? Yeah, you said, well, where is he going to go? And I was like, home. Winterfell. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Um, it's funny that it's the end of episode three was like, my watch is over, drop the mic. He walks out, but he doesn't walk out. He just kind of like turns left, but you don't see it and goes into another room and he's still at castle black. Yeah. Just hang out. Episode four. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so the other, he's got to pack his things. That takes a little while. Yeah. When they first cut to the room in castle black and the sword was sitting there, I was like, did he leave the sword? And he has all of this room in his suitcase now that he doesn't have that big shaggy coat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, the other, the biggest parts of the episode, I think, were obviously that, uh, Tyrion trying to fix the situation in Marine. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I mean, it's a big arc of the story. It's not super interesting right now. I just need to see more dragons. They're sitting right there. (laughs) They're sitting right there. Where are they sitting? Underneath? They're gone. Nah. He unchained them. I figured they left. He didn't unchain them to keep them in the basement, right? Yeah, but where the, nobody's complaining about them. Like, aren't they supposed to be eating goats and stuff? <laughs> well, the one who was eating goats was the they one that they didn't even They were all eating goats. That's why she chained those two up. <laughs> anyway, uh, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see if he is able to... Because his big thing is he's always been kind of the, the good administrator. Mm-hmm. The good peacekeeper. Diplomat. Yeah, diplomat. That's the one. Uh, and he's trying to do that in a way that is uh, different from Daenerys and um, giving them time to adjust to having no slaves. And it's kind of 
definitely a different tack that some of the people who have yeah. been there do hero. not appreciate. But we'll see how that works out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And obviously the big thing at the end, or the biggest part of this episode was towards the end and Daenerys' storyline with the Dothraki. toasting some marshmallows right. for s'mores. So she is now uh, apparently got another huge chunk of army to go oh, along yeah. with. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good episode. I, I'm enjoying the season. And uh, I wonder how different the books will be when they finally come out. But uh, probably never know. Because we're not going to read them. I keep so. thinking that I might, and then remember yeah, that I won't. Yeah, that's just won. silly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, that's all I had for Game of Thrones. Do you have anything else? No. I didn't even write it down. <laughs> right. Because, you know. So much other good goodness. No. Do you it's have... just, I don't need to write it down. It's the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're done then. Yeah. Um, do you have anything before we move on to... The Walking Dead? No. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Let me just double check my notes, though. So, <laughs> is this going to take a minute? Should I put in some elevator music? <laughs> it did start to go do 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 do. Uh, no, that's it. I'm good. We can move on. So, before the end of last year, we had talked about The Private Eye, which was the book that. Brian Kavon and Marcos Martin had put out on their panel syndicate website, the right. pay what you want model. And even at the time when we talked about it, uh, we discussed how image wanted to put it out in like a collected form, um, which Brian Kavon and said they weren't going to do. And he kind of struck a deal with Robert Kirkman, which is, it's kind of funny to, you know, think about how easy this would be, but how unlikely it is to happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just kind of throwing this out, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we'll we'll let you print the, uh, we'll let you print this book if we can do our own Walking Dead story." Right. <laughs> he was like, "Okay," and uh, that that issue finally came out just this past week, I think. Right. Last week, not this week, but it's called The Walking Dead. The Alien. It's on the Panel Syndicate website, mm-hmm. and it's just this standalone story um, in the Walking Dead universe, the first and maybe only <laughs> uh, standalone Walking Dead story. So we are not super familiar with The Walking Dead. Uh, we did read the first ten volumes of, you know, the comic book, mm-hmm. and... Uh, watched the first season of the TV show and never went back to it. Right. But as a standalone story with limited knowledge of The Walking Dead, you know, I I enjoyed it. It's like 32 pages. It's not... um, Mm. It felt so short to me, you know. Yeah. Um, So... I guess I just wasn't the... That's all it's really supposed to be, you know. I know. I I feel like I just was not the right audience for that book. I can see its merits, um, but with me not having, like, any real affinity or knowledge of Walking Dead stuff, it just sort of, I don't know. Um, I didn't really care about the character. I don't know, it was just, 
I was just sort of like, eh. <laughs> so that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So it's set at the beginning of the outbreak of whatever, and it's in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, first, the, the book is in black and white, with the exception of, you know, um, at the end, there's some dramatic red coloring for some blood in an important part of the story. But uh, it's very... Um, the style, just the look of the book is very European, and that sounds stupid because it's in Europe, but like the city, mm-hmm. um, even the characters, like, uh, there's basically two characters. It's the dude, I don't even remember his name. Jeff. Jeff <laughs> and uh, Claudia. Uh, but she's got this very European look. He does not because he's an American. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He, we talked a little bit about it before. And, you know, you were like, did you like this? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I liked, it was, it was fine. It was like a standalone story. Uh, There was one part that I, that I didn't like was just the, the guy, Jeff is, uh, you know, the main protagonist in The Walking Dead is Rick and, uh, that's his brother Mm -hmm. who I guess is referenced early in The Walking Dead as having disappeared. Um, and Rick doesn't know where he is. Right. Uh, and never will, <laughs> it turns out. Well, maybe he will. What, Claudia? Does right. she show up? Maybe? Right. I don't know. See, we don't know. We don't know. Because we don't read but it. But we don't need to know either. Like you No, just... <laughs> we don't need to know. <laughs> but, I don't know. I, I thought it I thought it was fine. Um, yeah. I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with it. I just feel like I wasn't the right person to read it. You know? Cool. So we'll move on. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I thought the whole thing about, like, you have something I need, and it was just a flashlight. Right. I thought that she was going to, like, go in the direction of, like, we need to procreate, so I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, I did not think she was going in that direction. <laughs> she's taking off her clothes, and she's like, you have something I need, and I'm like, where is this going to go? And then it's just the flashlight. Yeah. I don't know. You, I it think was it fine. was meant to lead you in that direction. Probably. Like she, and you just didn't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know it was the flashlight, but I also didn't think it was that. Um, I mean, when I said, we'll just move on, like, wait, I wait, really don't you, have... you liked it and you didn't, like, and that was still, like, a missing answer for you? What was a missing answer? The flashlight? like being I knew missing. she needed the flashlight once she said it. I'm uh, saying in the lead up. I didn't know she was talking about the flashlight, but I didn't think she was talking about procreating either. (laughs) Well, I meant just doing it, but, yeah. I think I knew what you meant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So. (laughs) (laughs) It's late, okay? (laughs) Um, Black Panther 2 came out. So confusing, no? No. What's confusing about it? I don't know. I mean, like, I read the beginning, and then I was like, wait, there's a... Mi- did this happen... Did it happen at the end of the book one that there was, like, a m- mine... That was at the what? beginning of book one. See? It was too long ago, and I just don't remember it. I'm like, what's going on? And then... Right. There was the lady... Um, and then the floating lady the is the sister? Yes. That was all explained in the first book, though. Maybe you should read the first book again. Maybe. I thought I got it all. Okay. Yeah. I was just confused. I didn't dislike it, but I was like, why do I feel like I should know more about what's going on here? Yeah. 
So the the metahuman lady um, who just kind of incites rage was at the mines in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. It picks up right in the middle of this run. Right. Like, you know, he's got his bleeding head and um, his guard right. is all enraged as well. So um, there's like this conflict between. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, hmm. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the second issue, uh, you know, kind of starts out with T'Challa, which is how you pronounce it, apparently. Uh, I don't know why I thought, like, the T just kind of flowed into the CH sound, but we were cleared up of that misconception when we went to see Civil War. Mm-hmm. And so, it kind of starts with him, and he's at this his council meeting and they're talking about how they're going to deal with this woman because they've been pointed her as the source of troubles and it kind of starts with um, T'Challa's kind of misguided confidence that he can Take be, be the one to handle the situation uh, in spite of lessons learned from, you know, previous family who have been uh, the Kings of Wakanda Um and the lessons they taught him, but, and then it kind of changes gears to the midnight angels and how they're kind of, um, stirring support and rebellion against the crown. Um, also a carryover from the first episode, first issue of the, right. of the series. That stuff I remembered. Um, I don't know. I, I really liked the second issue. No, I did too. I just um, felt like I, should have reviewed yeah. the first one a little bit. Uh, anytime you have a uh, superhero comic book where there's a college professor quoting Locke, it's like, <laughs> you know, there's, um, I think, I don't know, the the message they're trying to explore or the themes that they're trying to explore are really deep and mm-hmm. and rooted and, you know, the the professor is talking about Locke and it's really just kind of um, puts front and center that uh, conflict of, you know, government um, by the consent of the governed versus the monarchy that rules the quote unquote most technologically advanced nation Mm -hmm. in the world. And, you know, it's no, no secret that that's a big theme of the book because, They've talked about it quite a bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, the rest of the book is, you know, um, the Black Panther going to confront this metahuman kind of, uh, I don't know. He, it has a lot of his, um, might being concealed and revealed playing against each other. You know, I've heard in the Tanahasi Coates interview on NPR, he talked about how they're going to slowly show, like, these new powers that they feel the Black Panther has, and they show one of those in this book. Uh, it's hard to tell exactly what it is, some kind mm-hmm. of kinetic energy, where he's getting beat down and kind of feels like he just kind of throws it back at the person. But they end the issue with his sister and, you know, um, what state she's in going forward. Wait. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know. 
So she's stuck in some, like, limbo land. Yeah. Seems like it. Hmm. She's not alive. She's not dead. And her physical body is floating there. Hmm. Um, and she's in some mystical place, <laughs> which happens in comic books, apparently. So, I don't know. I thought there'd be more discussion about the issue. Um, well, I, I just haven't had as much time to process it. I really did just read it, and I didn't have time, you know, to go back yeah. and go back and look. Um, so, my bad on that. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Uh, so the the article in the Atlantic was uh, written by David Sims. It's Network mm-hmm. TV's future is all about the past, right? Um. So, do you want to take the lead on this one? Yeah. Um. I mean, it's it's basically talking about the fall lineup and how the big four, which would be CBS, NBC, Fox, and ABC, are routing their resources for new television. And that basically, like, there's really nothing new. You know, they, the networks claim that they, you know, want to do something innovative and and everything, but really what ends up winning out are, you know, advertising dollars and what they think is going to be the least exclusionary. Is that the word that I'm looking for? Yeah, I guess. It seems like. I don't know. They, it just seems like they're really misguided in how they're going about their... Right. They, they're really not wanting to take the risks that they say they're going to take. I and mean, for example, and I wrote down a lot of the... Like, um, CBS is, like, uh, decided not to do a Nancy Drew reboot, which, you know, a reboot, but they also felt like it was, I guess, too female. And so it was just going to not appeal to half of the population, but, you know, it doesn't make, I don't know, I, I just don't understand, and then, also, they're giving up Supergirl moving to CW, it, it's just, you know, I don't even, I didn't even write the new stuff that they're going to have out, but, the, you know, those changes, and then, I mean, everything is a spinoff or a reboot, and I, it doesn't make yeah, me miss the fact that we have cable, like, I don't need to that see. we don't have it, yeah. Yeah, um. That's why, that's why I wrote down here, I was like, uh, were you interested in any of the shows that the article listed? No, um, a, a new Lethal Weapon or Exorcist? Yeah, no, not so Uncle Buck? <laughs> Seriously, Uncle Buck. <laughs> I mean, like, when that movie came out, that was the best, because I was little, and it was Uncle Buck. But, like, really? And then, you know, just the... At Emerald City, the sort of a Game of Thrones knockoff that they have going on. And yeah, on the, the Wizard that, of Oz. <laughs> you know, and, and I get ABC is, like, going with what works for them with Shonda Rhimes. And Shonda Rhimes is great in her, her producing and her show, shows are always pretty successful and interesting. And, uh, you know, but, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just... Yeah, no risk taking, which yeah. is basically, um, I don't know, everything that the streaming networks are doing. Right, like Netflix with their with um, Jessica Jones and Daredevil and um, House mean, of Cards and Amazon Orange is the New Black and um, trans transparent yeah. stuff like that mm-hmm. that you'll never see on network and, television. You know, HBO as well. I mean, the yeah. guy who. Uh, who greenlit a bunch of those, um, you know, 
lesser um, lesser rated but critically praised you know TV shows um, was fired from ABC what like community and um, yeah. you know you don't see any of that the 30 rock stuff and like Kimmy Schmidt there's no way I mean it was I supposed mean, it was to be a network show yeah and so, so it just makes me feel like at what point does does network television become sort of obsolete like how are they going to yeah when they started listing all of the spin-off stuff from like the procedural shows and uh we're just bringing back old things like it just it was like oh this is boring now granted people usually or a lot of times networks wait for the spring release to like for their good stuff but still like this is like the fall fall tv lineup is supposed to be a big deal and it's just not for me i don't know one of the um things i had written down under the news area i thought kind of fell under the article so i was holding on to it um but it falls under it in a way that networks i think should be more in tune with this kind of reboot um if they're going to reboot things and not just come up with, you know, new, new properties. But there, I was listening to Hollywood Babylon, uh, from this week. And there was also an article about it after that show posted on, I think, comic resources, but Kevin Smith has been talking to MGM and they're trying to find a home for a show that Kevin Smith pitched which was basically a reboot of the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension movie, mm-hmm. which obviously we've never seen, but I think we should probably go watch it because I've heard it referenced a lot, especially uh, with... On the Kevin Smith podcast? Well, with Kevin Smith and um, Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. and, um, you know, his... I guess his pitch was basically like season one would would pretty much be the movie in serialized TV form. And then season two would be the sequel that was kind of promised at the end of the first of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was never any sequel, something about uh, world crime league. That would be fun. I mean, I guess if more networks just committed to going with what is critically acclaimed, that would be all that they're started to be. You know, people are not going to just turn off their TVs. People right. are going to find something to watch, and so if that people more people will discover those things, and they'll I I think and and then yeah, it's just interesting when you see the success that I mean I know that they're just kind of different animals, and they network TV is network TV for a reason, and it's not Netflix and it's not HBO. But you see the kind of success that those networks are having with their prestige television stuff. Right, and while the networks are fighting so hard to, like, yeah. you know, to to stay relevant. I mean, this the Buckaroo Bonsai thing, listen to this. I had IMDb, just a description of the movie. Neurosurgeon slash rock star slash superhero Buckaroo has perfected the oscillation over thruster which allows them to travel through solid matter by using the eighth dimension. The red lectoids, lectroids from Planet 10 are after this device for their own evil ends, and it's up to Buckaroo and his band of crime-fighting team 
uh, band and crime. Oh, do you need glasses? I see. <laughs> I thought it was a typo, but it's up to his band and crime fighting team, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, to stop them. Uh, and you know, who knows if that's actually going to, you know, be picked up for a series? But like, it should be. There's right. so much terrible television that uh, I don't yeah. know. I guess that's all I have to say on the Atlantic article. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just interesting because it it really makes me not care to pay for watching ads on oh. TV so I can see a show. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to do that again. Yeah, I mean, like, Hulu, it's like watching their ads, not a big deal. I mean, you can even get that ad free now, just pay a right. little bit more. But Yeah, so, I don't know, I, I guess that'll probably wrap up the show. Um, lots of stuff this week. We've managed to squeeze it all in in a decent amount of time, I think. But uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at GeekChew. Our website is geekchew.com. You can subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher to our podcast. If you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review. Apparently, that is helpful. <laughs> well, we wouldn't know because we haven't had enough ratings or reviews. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess that'll just about do it. You have anything else? No. Nope. All right. Well, it was fun. It was smart. We liked it. <laughs>